0: Inside Westminster, Chapter 194 Tragedy Followed by Farce. The response to the internal market bill was off the scale and a surprisingly sober reminder to Potty and Ben that there still were people who held values like honesty and trustworthiness above those of self interest and short termism. I knew it would shake up all up, admitted Ben, whilst making a now rare visit to the PM's den. But I must admit, the reaction has been remarkable. Look, said Potty, got lots on my plate right at the moment. Mandy's on the warpath over that squire woman's diaries, and she's got titty issues with Hector. Oh dear, Ben replied, aren't her ma and pa at checkers helping out? Anyway, why's she angry with that squire's bitch?' Well, she's been keeping a journal, too, and intended to tidy it all up and have it published later this year, Potty confessed. Fuck that, man, Ben yelled. She'd better not be saying anything about me, Gwendolyn or the boys, or I'll bring her down. All right, all right, Potty soothed. Keep your hair on. Anyway, looks like her thunder's been stolen. Have you read any of the Squire stuff? No, I haven't, and nor do I intend to, retorted Ben crisply. It's quite funny, really. before Potty, who loved the thought of uptight Steve Cannon suggesting this woman, suggesting to this woman that they had a quickie in the bushes. It's schoolboy, shit-stirring rubbish, and should be banned! Shouted Ben, whose ten- temper was crescendoing upwards at the thought of all this valuable time he was wasting on conversations about a perfect nobody. Time which could be more valuable, which could more valuable be spent on devising plans to prevent blizzards of legislation getting in the way of his plans to scythe through old-fashioned crap like having tanks in the army potty's phone had started to vibrate in his trouser pocket sorry old chum <clears throat> gotta take this one he said as ben as if ben needed any excuse or hint to vacate this mousehole of a place complete with crumbs and dust liberally scattered on all services It was Delilah Stropper's voice which sent a shiver down Potty's spine. Your place or mine for re-entry? You haven't given a definite yes or no. How could he, full-blooded male that he was, not rise to that challenge? So returned, better be yours, would be difficult to get you through security. And so another supposedly secure relationship was to be cast aside, but this time the recipient the recipient of this duplicity, Mandy, would not be tossed away so carelessly. Potty managed to slip through the corridors of power, once upon a time, before the move across the road, which were now empty, ghostly and rather tatty, and out via the door leading straight into the cul-de-sac by the wheelie bins, out of range of all the security cameras which forever twizzled around on high. No one would miss him for an hour or two, and Delilah's apartment was conveniently close. Their sex lasted no longer than it took to, take to, it took to get half-naked and for her to expertly guide the instrument of her pleasure. That was quick, she gasped. Sorry, Dee, Potty puffed. I'm a bit out of my rhythm, as Nookie's been in short supply since Hector's arrival. Oh dear, soothed Delilah, adding, don't worry, I'll do you all a favour and keep your wheels oiled while Mandy gets back on track. Even Potty was surprised that Delilah hadn't seemed bothered by any notions of love, lust even. No, their relationship was going to be based solely on their mutual sexual needs. Another odd couple were chugging through the formalities of a relationship. Hamadj and Prince Frederick had decided to vacate Balmoral early and return to Norfolk for a few weeks before official engagements started in October. Prince Frederick had grown to love his cottage retreat in the woods on the Sandringham estate, away from prying eyes and the telephoto lens. He wanted more than anything to take the edge of the latest news. The Bahamas had declared its intention to become a republic by the end of 2021. Don't worry, old sausage the prince said as they were being driven to the station to get the fast train into King's Cross. It's just a sign of the times and nothing to do with your unstinting support. Honestly, none of them deserve you. What he had really wanted to say was that Prince Marcus in particular didn't deserve the care, attention and forgiveness he'd been given by her, more afforded to him than anyone or anything else and all thrown back in their faces very publicly and humiliatingly but Prince Marcus was having to face the prospect that he, was going, that he was being airbrushed out of royal life. He hadn't even been allowed to appear in any of his darling daughter's wedding photos, and his name was not going to, be to appear on anything to do with Prince Frederick's up-and-coming 100th birthday. The shame of it, and no amount of shrugging off with boys will be boys, or look at the shenanigans of Uncle Dickie and his wife, would change the royal nonagenarians' minds. Times had moved on from the dark ages when sexual shenanigans were kept out of the papers by denotices, notices or were kept within a secret, a select circle of trusted friends or, indeed, were just swept under the carpet. Along with unquestioning deference, discretion had been blown away and their dear son along with it. And deference and discretion were in short supply in another place where shifting sands were making folks feel decidedly wobbly. The internal market bill was sending shivers up the spine of the devolved governments, as those with an- with antennae for the duplicity of the inner sanctum of the ca- cabinet could see another ruse by which the nations could be awarded less dosh through the Barnett formula. Who trusts that slippery snake, Benedict Morgan, said Mrs Tractor to Chantelle O'Malley, number two in the Belfast devolved government, who'd been shamed into rejoining the Stormont team, having stropped off over something or other. Only a naive fool, was the curt reply. Well, Chantelle really couldn't stand anyone who didn't conform to her view of the world, as evidenced by her having had a period of several months of non-cooperation because she'd wanted government pensions to be paid to IRA terrorists, sorry, freedom fighters, who'd injured themselves in the line of duty. So when she'd been forced to back down, she did what any aggrieved person would do, and that is send the offenders to Coventry, still receiving full pay, of course. It was the rise in Covid infections and the devolved government's imposition of local lockdowns that had brought her to heel, and once again the duo of females leading Northern Ireland stood side by side, two metres apart, of course, issuing new rules, though now everyone knew what a sham it all was. Another person hiding behind a sham was Vixie Squire, having elevated her husband to Secretary of State for Northern Ireland in her diaries. "'Wasn't he just Minister of State there?' said Steve Cannon to Alex, his wife, who replied in the affirmative. "'And wasn't that role abolished as it was a total non-job?' Another affirmative came, but Alex added. "'Why don't you issue a statement, correcting that ghastly woman? "'Then people might question the validity of her fucking spiteful lies.' realise that they both, they're both, both just settling scores for his lack of a starry political career in your government and see what a total load of offensive bollocks the whole thing is. By the way, dear listener, the posher the female is, the more expletive laden her conversation becomes. But please don't equate poshness with breeding. Real aristos keep their fucks within the four walls of whatever pile they're in at any given time. I wish life were that easy, Cannon responded, having, knowing that the last thing any serious politician or ex-politician wanted was to appear petty. So Vixie was set to make millions by upsetting everyone who'd had the misfortune to have crossed her ugly path. You know, Cat Shrove must be furious, but at least Matthew's Todger, Todger's been praised, so she might be a little placated, said Alex with a wry smile. Oh, that's just great. What has the world come to? Cannon groaned, trying to remember if he'd flashed his manhood at Vixie in a moment of high jinx or total inebriation. He hoped not, the only quote from one of Karl Marx's tomes he could ever remember springing to mind. History repeats itself first as tragedy, then as farce. His only consolation was that Fix’s husband had only ever been awarded minor roles in his government as he really had proved to be as thick as pig shit. After all, he’d been eaten educated, had been in the guards, where excellence at shoe polishing and possessing a decent stride length seemed to be the only prerequisites.